Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Mycotoxin Matters. We are returning to the world of aquaculture today and are delighted to be joined by Dr. Vivi Kletzi, who has recently taken on the role of Global Aqua Technical Support at Alltech. Vivi, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, hi, Martin. Thank you for inviting me today to this uh, podcast and you introduced me, uh, introducing me also to this world of podcast is the first one and uh, I'll be happy to join and hopefully we have more uh, podcasts to do in the future. Well, yes, Vivi, um, it is uh, it is your first time joining us as on the podcast. So I think for the benefit of our listeners, um, it'd be great if you could give a, a quick background to yourself. Um, you've recently completed your PhD and were con- con- conferred uh, with your with your doctorate. So maybe give a background to yourself, your area of study. And then um, coming out of that, any key findings that may be of interest to our listeners today? Yeah, uh, that's true. I'm a new doctor. I recently graduated from Wageningen University uh, in June 2023. I did a PhD, um, founded, of course, by Altec, and I investigated the effects on mycotoxins on uh, rainbow trout. Rainbow trout was my uh, model species to uh, investigate effects of mycotoxins. And uh, the key findings of this project, it was that we uh, highlighted the of mycotoxins in aquaculture, that it was a hidden threat before. We did a survey with data from Altec 37 Plus Lab, and we clearly saw the mycotoxin patterns in uh, feed ingredients, plant feed ingredients used in aqua feeds, and also in aqua feed uh, samples that they have been uh, submitted uh, from European uh, location in Altec 37 Plus Lab. Uh, between uh, 12 to 19. And also we did in vivo experiment using rainbow trout and there we saw how sensitive is this species to DON, deoxynivalenol, that is the most common uh, toxin in terms of frequency and toxicity in Europe. Uh, And also we saw that these effects on rainbow trout are independent on diet composition and we found additive effects of DON together with other fusarium-produced toxins on rainbow trout. So then, Vivi, um, your PhD work was primarily focused uh, on, on mycotoxins and, and the trout uh, species uh, of fish. Um, in the article that you recently prepared, uh, you were primarily talking about uh, mycotoxins and, and shrimp. Um, and I think you spoke uh, early in the blog about the, the significance of shrimp in the global aquaculture sector and the growth of the growth of shrimp uh, production and consumption. Maybe give us a, a bit of insight into that. Yes, of course, because when we think about aquaculture, usually we think about fish, but um, I should note that the number one uh, aquatic animal that is being farmed at the moment is shrimp. So it's the number one uh, aquaculture species is the white length shrimp. Uh, It's very important also in terms of uh, the volume of the production that is a very good source of uh, protein for human consumption. And it's also important uh, for... um, 
through the local communities because this uh, species is farmed uh, in uh, uh, Southeast Asia and in uh, South America and this uh, generate export revenues for uh, local communities and it's a very important uh, species and uh, I would like, I wanted actually to focus more on shrimp uh, production and to see the effects uh, on uh, shrimp. That is the reason that we made this article. It is something, Vivi, that I need to keep reminding myself. Um, a shrimp is not actually terms of fish. It, it's a certain nuance that I guess we we, we do come up against pretty regularly uh, when we're talking to our aquaculture colleagues. Um, I guess we're more accustomed to, to focusing on pigs and poultry and cows. So uh, we're learning a lot more about the world of aquaculture uh, over the past few years. Um, Vivi, your, your article then in particular focused, I guess, on the, the changing um, diet composition of, of shrimp feeds uh, and in particular the growth of plant-based ingredients uh, within that. Firstly, why has the industry moved? Why, why, what is the requirement to move toward plant-based ingredients? And then what are some of the consequences for feed quality within that? And I guess I'm thinking of areas like uh, be it amino acid profiles, palatability, digestibility, etc. Exactly. This trend in the aquaculture industry is, of course, included the shrimp feed, but also is in the fish feed. It came like two decades already ago uh, that the industry started to switch from marine-based ingredients to plant-based ingredients. And um, the reason, firstly, was that the aquaculture sector was increasing and that um, has high uh, demand for aquafit. And uh, in terms of the aquafit production could not uh, be sustained only rely only if we rely on the fish meal because fish meal um, is the main was the main uh, protein source that was coming from a wide population and uh, we could not rely on the ocean and on wild fish to uh, make um, aquaculture uh, farmed fish. So in this case, we reach a maximum capacity at some point, and then the whole industry started looking for alternatives. And the alternatives was uh, plant-based um, ingredients, uh, and that was the main reason. Actually, it was about uh, the supply. We don't, we didn't have enough uh, marine-based ingredients to supply, and also it's about um, uh, the price and also about the sustainability. We cannot. Uh, offer fish the ocean to produce fish and uh, shrimps of course it's both it's the same for fish and shrimp that this was the reason that we changed the diets towards more plant-based alternative ingredients and uh, of course when we change towards plant-based and we try to feed carnivorous species with plant-based ingredients we have some nutritional limitations as you mentioned one would be unbalanced amino acid profiles, but okay, we can find solutions to supplement amino acids or we have anti-nutritional factors in the plant-based ingredients, but with the processing techniques, we can overcome these problems. And um, lately, we started also discussing in uh, aquaculture about the mycotoxins that they are present in the plant-based ingredients. And actually, we highlighted also through my PhD work that is something uh, that is present and unfortunately we cannot really predict and we cannot always prevent the mycotoxins in um, in uh, in the plant-based ingredients that we have in the aqua feeds. 
Okay, Vivi. So if we stay with, I guess, mycotoxins specifically for for a little while, um, what type of prevalence are we seeing um, in those plant-based ingredients? I know you've done a lot of analysis of um, the the ingredients that have been submitted across uh, 37 plus labs at Alltech and, and, and Alltech Rapid as well over the past few months. So what have you seen within that? And is, is there anything notable? Yes, that's true. Uh, we focus on the plant-based ingredients that are usually uh, included in the shrimp uh, feeds. And uh, we take uh, this data from uh, Altec 37 Plus lab uh, data. And we found there uh, that all of the samples, uh, they were contaminated with mycotoxins. And uh, first of all, we found that most of the positive samples contained more than uh, one. We have more than one mycotoxins. We have co-occurrence, co-exposure, and this is very important because we need to realize that in ingredients and of course in the final feed we don't deal with one mycotoxin but with a mixture of different toxins. This is the number one that okay more or less we knew that it's what it was not a surprise if you are in this field. We have also shown that before in the survey that I have published. But uh, for me, the most important result was uh, the high frequency of emerging mycotoxins. We found that all uh, in the ingredients, we had a high frequency of emerging mycotoxins, and we need to explain what emerging mycotoxins uh, are are mycotoxins that are not detectable during the routine analysis with the rapid methods on the farm or in the feed mill level. And also there is no information uh, regarding recommendation limit or um, any legislation about these uh, toxins. Um, that for me, it was a big surprise, to be honest. And it's something that, um, yeah, it's a concern because we cannot um, prevent if we are not able to detect them um, with a quick method. So then, Vivi, I think following on from your assessment of the, the plant-based ingredients or, or the raw materials, you then translated that into what it, it might mean for the, the mycotoxin um, profile in, in finished feeds. Uh, maybe you'd like to explain to our listeners how you how you went through that process of, of assessing what are, are essentially three different um, type of formulations. Of course, yes. Um, as you mentioned, in this uh, survey um, that we show the data of mycotoxins, it was in, on the individual ingredients, but we should uh, take into consideration that to make um, a recipe in the shrimp feed, also in a fish feed, of course, we use different plant-based ingredients in different inclusion level that both matters, also the which type of ingredients we have and also at which level we include in the diet. And uh, in Altec Mycotoxin Management Team, we have a unique uh, tool, the Diet Estimator, that gives us the opportunity to add all of this information in the tool. And uh, based on the Altec uh, 37 plus lab that we give, we have the information about contamination uh, levels, we can uh, calculate the total risk that is called risk equivalent quantity. This is also a unique method of Altec, of uh, our platform, that we can estimate the total risk because, as we mentioned, it's multiple toxins present. And with this um, method, we calculate this uh, risk and we use as a reference the 
uh, alpha-flatoxin B1. So it's a unique tool that we get this um, information and is very close to reality. Uh, and we applied three different recipes. One is from a database that is a universal diet for a shrimp feed. Uh, one from um, diet shrimp feed diet from India and one from Brazil. And there were in two recipes we found a moderate risk and uh, in the diet from Brazil we found high risk for a shrimp. So that was potentially an interesting, Vivi. Um, you had two moderate risk Finnish feeds, uh, and then in, in, in that Brazilian uh, formulation, it was a slightly higher risk. Um, were you able to identify a specific reason for that? Uh, yes, I tracked all the ingredients individually to see from where the risk uh, comes from. And in the Brazilian diet, um, we found that the type B trichothesenes is a group of mycotoxins that uh, includes DON, deoxynivalenol, it was high for the ground corn. So they used one ingredient and uh, that ingredient has, yeah, we found high levels of DON. So that causes the high risk for this specific diet. Okay, I, that would make sense, and I guess, and, and tally with a lot of the work that we would do across um, the other species and, and diet formulations as well. So then moving forward a, a small bit, um, Vivi, we've established, um, you know, there is a mycotoxin risk uh, attached to, to shrimp diets uh, across a, a number of regions. But if I'm a, a shrimp producer or a, or a fish producer, um, listening to this today, you know, why will I be concerned? You know, uh, mycotoxins in my diet, but but what does it actually mean for for shrimp producers from a beta health or performance perspective? Yeah, um, to be honest, for at least for the uh, not all the mycotoxins that we found, we don't have research data about this on shrimp. So we don't know uh, for all the toxins, the effects, but for the ones like toxin, valenol, fumonizine, uh, T2 toxin that we have data on shrimp. From research, we have found that uh, these toxins affect the growth and the health of uh, the animal. And of course, that is translated for uh, loss in terms of the production and uh, profits for the farmer. And uh, for me, what I'm really curious to know, we saw that we found um, the high frequency of emerging mycotoxins and fusaric acid, for example. But for these toxins, we don't have any information uh, in the literature about how these toxins affect uh, the shrimp. And uh, this is a new area that I think in the coming years we might know, but so far, uh, it's a black area. We don't know um, any about these toxins, and it's even more risky that um, yeah we might have these toxins in our uh, shrimp feed. But yeah, we don't know the effects. But I can predict that would be similar toxicity like the other fusarium-produced mycotoxins. Well, I think uh, as an industry, Vivi. Um... Yeah, a lot of different bodies and organizations are are probably uh, seeking to discover um, the same level of information on on emerging mycotoxins and seeing what what are those effects uh, in the animal. So, in terms of then mitigating the the effects of of mycotoxins in a in a shrimp um, scenario, uh, Vivi, what are some of your, I guess, top tips or or mycotoxin control tips that you would leave with our our listeners today? 
Mm -hmm. Yes. As a platform, uh, we always introduce the program that is uh, about um, to identify the risk, to calculate the risk, and then to apply correction actions uh, like um, the Microsoft product. In this um, case, based on the data that we found right, in the shrimp, um, in, in the feed ingredients for shrimp, we found emerging mycotoxins. And in this case, we cannot prevent in the feed meal. So the first step to identify the risk, we cannot measure it's one type of toxin that we are not able to detect with a rapid method. So unfortunately, the first step um, is not really applicable in this case. Uh, to calculate the risk is only based on data that we have from Altec 37 Plus Lab, but I would advise, for example, any stream feed producer to be at the safe side and to um, be at the safe side to fight against these mycotoxins that potentially are present in the shrimp feed, of course, is the uh, uh, supplementation of the Microsurp um, product that binds a big range of mycotoxins, including the emerging mycotoxins. So it's uh, like a mitigation, but at the same time, the only pre uh, prevention strategy that we can offer for this type of toxins. Well, thank you, Vivi. Um, it's great to have you on the team, and and I think as you as you get yourself uh, stuck uh, more into the the topic of mycotoxins and aquaculture, and and continue to do more and more work, we'll we'll probably have you back on the the podcast uh, in future to discuss more of your learnings. Um, so yeah, thanks again for for joining us today, and um, we're excited to have you on the team. And to our listeners, uh, once again, uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's uh, conversation with Dr. Kletzi. If you do have any follow-up questions, uh, feel free to contact any of the, the Alltech team uh, and they'll be able to, to point you in the, in the right direction. Or else visit allmycotoxins.com and you'll be able to, to find a, a wealth of information uh, there also. And then we'll be back next month uh, with another uh, special episode of Mycotoxin Matters. We hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the Mycotoxin Matters podcast. For more information on the topics discussed, please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W mycotoxins.com.